afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Today we're going to look at a variety of factors, starting out on the livestock side of it, because questions are feedlots daring to pass on bids we got word of bids of 126 to 127 also need to kind of keep an eye out for these slaughter numbers and getting rid of those tech issues that we've seen at a lot of the plants a variety of things that we are going to look at today as brad coima joins us he is with coima coima and varlick out of sioux center iowa as we talked also about all this during this week's cattle call let's start out feedlots passing on bids what's going on there Oh, great question, uh, Susan, because I think that really goes to the core of what's happened here lately. Um, you know, I think anybody that's involved in the, in the, as a feeder has, has felt uh, like a price taker and that he's had really price determination in the last couple of years has been an absolute joke. Um, and, uh, you know, some of it's because of, of uh, obviously the back to back swans, right? The, the Holcomb fire, then the COVID. Uh, but as a cattle feeder, you know, I mean, so my brother sells my cattle, right? My fat cattle. Well, they're bidding 122. Yeah, well, what do you do? You, know, you take it, right? Uh, to the point where you don't even dare to hardly pass it once you finally get a bid. If you're at least a pure cash negotiator, like I am. Um, and and I thought that about 10 days ago or so, sometime maybe in the last two weeks, I thought maybe the country just felt like maybe they had just a little more arch in their back um, and feeling like these packers were getting themselves a little more current. Uh, I'm getting some stories of uh, packers buying cattle like last Friday and they died on Saturday, you know, those sorts of things. Uh, cattle getting switched around uh, and long hauled, uh, all signs that maybe these uh, packers are getting a little closer to the knife. And um, the, uh, um, um, the, 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 the ability to pass, you know, dare I use the word leverage, um, I think has, you know, what's firmed this cash market up more than anything else. So, yeah, we went from last week, I think, 124 bids uh, to this morning. At one point, Susan, I had all four majors bid 126 to me, National, JBS, Tyson, and and uh, Cargill, sorry. Um, ultimately, I ended up getting 127 uh, to two different uh, uh, national, or Packers, so of uh, the big four. So, um it feels much better. It's nice to have that 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 cash market, uh, you know, leading the way, if you would. So, slaughter's got a big deal to do with it too, though. So, can you say then that maybe leverage is getting back into the cattle, which is going to turn into advantage for the cattle guy? Maybe. Boy, would I love to with with a strong conviction, but um, I think there's a few things that have to change in a change in a major way for us to feel like we really have leverage, like say back to 2014 kind of leverage. Yeah, I we're making a little bit of progress. You know, some. Some people continue to say, well, we just got too many cattle. I'm, that's not my view. Um, but uh, I'm encouraged by the fact that you have been able to uh, harvest cattle here uh, the last while. Last week's kill was huge, 661. We think you're going to kill even more than that this week. Uh, three days this week, all 122. That's a huge kill. Um, uh, you know, the packer still has big margins. Um, and it appears as though some of the issues that he's been fighting, you know, the absenteeism, the cooler cleanouts, the mechanical problems, the technical glitches, I mean, you name it. Um, well, you don't kill 122 three days in a row with a lot of, you know, hiccups. So I, I feel better about the fact that we're, we're, we're getting through here. And yes, to your question, though, we will get real leverage back at some point when we have less numbers. I'd like to think that we could get there a little bit quicker if we had uh, um, more negotiated trade. Are we going to have to keep a little close eye on these slaughter numbers, especially when you look at how this week is traded? 
if I were to say that there's one thing that, that you know, if you're a fundamentalist, if there's one thing that you'd want to, you know, stay dialed in on, it's the slaughter level. Um, so uh, if, if you get to the, you know, where Packer starts to complain, lack of margins, he's not going to go Saturdays and all this other stuff, cutting the kill, you know, um, you know, be ready to pivot. Uh, at this point, though, the, the, the margins are so good, I don't think that uh, I don't think that they dare to do something like that. But what about box beef? What's your thoughts on how they've been trading lately? Uh, this is the time of year where we usually go higher, and I feel very confident that we will do exactly that again this year, led by the high price cuts, um, which is also normal uh, as uh, you know the system starts to procure and get all aligned for the holiday season. So. Um, I, uh, you know, still got a wide choice select spread, still shows that demand is really, really good for the high-end product. Uh, demand's not the problem. Demand's excellent. Um, we just need to, to, to get the backer to share some of those profits. We talk about demand being good, though, Brad, but are we a little concerned we might start pricing out those consumers when they go to the grocery store and see what those numbers are? I'm beyond frustrated about what just went through with that whole period. I, I think we actually reached that tipping point here a couple, okay. three, four weeks ago. I I know I heard stories from the big box stores, you know, take your guess who that means, but, um, you know, where they, where they, you know, found out this $23, $24 ribeye stuff, there was, there was indeed consumer resistance to it, you know, so... Um, you know, we don't throw this away. So what happens? It ends up getting discounted, and they find out. Okay, that was enough. You know, we've 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 alienated now our consumer, right? Uh, so um, it's too bad that 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 had to be on the backs of a deal where the producer didn't get to share in that record inflationary demand, record high price, um, and the only profiters were the retailer and the and the and the commercial the. The packer. So, yes, uh, I'm glad to see that we got a correction again here. So we're back down to where they can get this price. I mean, even at this price, there's no reason why they should have had that that retail price that high. Is that open interest? I mean, you you and I were talking before we started this that it's been very low. Is that going to continue? I hope what happens is is there's concern about the low open interest, and I am too. Um, you know, uh, everybody likes a bull market. Right. I mean, it's pretty simple. Uh, you get a bull market and the, and the speculator will come in. Uh, the particular speculator that I'm talking about is the fund community. Um, so whether it's an index fund or what's a trend following fund, um, I, I, frankly, I'm kind of encouraged that this, the, the, the overall open interest is this low. That tells me that they've got bullets. Right. Uh, dry powder, however you want to describe it, that if the market starts to turn up like this cattle market has yesterday, closed above the 100 day moving average for the first time since the Dead Sea was still sick. More is coming up with the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Let's get another Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish chatting with Dusty Mam. He's a Fontenelle hybrids dealer in the Sutton, Nebraska area. Dusty, what do you enjoy most about working with Fontenelle? Good question, Joe. I love the community aspect of the brand. Um, I love that we're involved in our local communities and our our schools and and the things that are important to our growers, and and that's what I think makes us unique. Dusty, what's the most rewarding aspect of being a Fontenelle dealer? Uh, I think seeing some of the old school thought of that we're neighbors and doing things together. Uh, Our dealership has a strong network of growers that communicate a lot together and and do a lot of things together, whether it's on the farm or leisure and, and understanding and knowing that we can learn from each other. Well, for more on how you can become part of that Fontenelle family, you can contact Dusty Mim in the Sutton area or any one of your local Fontenelle dealers across the state of Nebraska. To find him, just go to Fontenelle.com. 
Yeah. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing this conversation with Brad Coima. He's with Coima, Coima and Varlick out of Sioux Center, Iowa. So the first half, we talked about what was happening on the livestock side. Let's switch gears and look at this grain complex. And um, it's been interesting in this market, especially when we see, for example, how the corn's been trading. Yeah, the corn has been very, very encouraging here. Um, and like always, it's a little bit where you live, right? I mean, if you happen to, um, well, say you're in Indiana, where I understand they're having a terrible time getting this crop even begun to harvest, um, and then got another big round of wet uh, forecast coming at you, you're probably going like, yeah, well, it ought to go higher, right? Uh, or maybe if you're uh, 40 miles west of me where it didn't rain all year, uh, and they had an extremely poor crop. Um, you know, I would say the variability to this year's crop, it's always like that, but it, it felt to me like it was even more so uh, this year. Um, I happen to be living in a place where our, our crop is very, very good, you know, but um, the corn especially today, boom, we broke out of this sideways pattern that we've been locked in. We closed well above the 100-day moving average. I'm sure that you had some technical buying today. Uh, you know, the fund community loves to watch for these breakouts like that. And even the, 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 the regular speculator, Susan, is, is, is going to be watching for something like this. I think there's been a couple of cues maybe. Um, you know, basis levels for the most part have stayed quite strong. Um, even right through the teeth of harvest, more so than normal in some areas. Um, clearly, you know, the wheat, as high as it is, has been a pull. I mean, that's a competitive uh, feed grain uh, that's been supportive. I mean, even the oats is above seven dollars. You know, that's never been this high before. How about that? Huh? All right, we got oats quirky guys. You, now they got a comment, huh? <laughs> I was just gonna say, okay, well, you just brought up two commodities that you and I don't ever talk about, and that's Thank wheat. goodness. <laughs> <laughs> but that's wheat and that's oats, and I know that the old timers out there will say, well, oats knows, you know, that old saying. But you look at oats over seven dollars, and the way the wheat complex has been trading, is this maybe some writing on the wall? Well, you bring up, a, yeah, you're right. And you're not old enough to know about the old oats nose comment. You might have heard that from the old guy here. But um, you're right. That used to be a, a, a very common statement in the, in the commodity business. I, um, there, there is a certain amount of, you know, the tide floats all the boats, right? And, and, and uh, you know, people say, well, what is, what is he? That sounds like hocus pocus. But it's real in terms of uh, when you're going to decide what to plant, particularly when inputs are this high, those things are going to be part of your decision-making process, right? I mean, there's there's parts in central and western South Dakota that were planting corn that never raised corn before, right? Mm -hmm. You know, because it got so high. I would think that wheat would be a very real option or some kind of small grain. They're all high. Look at that spring wheat, you know, over 10 bucks. North Dakota, you know, some of these fringe areas of the corn belt, I, I, I would think you're going to pull acres of the row crop stuff, which... You know, I guess you didn't ask about beans, but you know that that's part of the equation here too. You know, when you get uh, when you have to consider what the input costs are, um, you know, this new crop bean market's no slouch uh, for next year. You know, up around this twelve forty level, um, you know, compared to what the inputs are going to be on the corn, it's certainly going to be a viable uh, up for discussion. I wouldn't be at all surprised at that. Next year's corn is going to have to rally a little bit relative to the beans to try to attract some acres. Would be my guess, but um, technical buying. And, and, and maybe a scenario here where we're worried a little bit about getting the rest of the harvest completed, which I think is a little premature. I mean, it's October. We'll get the crop harvested. But uh, that and the, just the, kind of the inflationary uh, you know, crude oil, that whole story, which I'm sure you beat to death. But, you know, that's out there as well. That kind of supportive generally. So. 
we've been talking about this all week and that's been the fact that here we're October we normally don't talk about acreage you know and corn versus beans versus now wheat versus sorghum um, but having said that and the cost of inputs and the inflationary there's gonna be a lot of factors that are gonna be kind of blending together as we look towards this 2022 crop yeah, you're, you, I, you, you bring up, it's a great point. And, and, and every year that's kind of a moving target. There's a point, Susan, where the market stops caring so much about exactly what the size of this crop is and starts caring more about, well, what about the new crop influences, right? And, and I don't, you know, you'd almost have to be, you know, on another planet to not be worrying about the input costs in this corn. Um, uh, I know, you know, listening to the guys and doing our own math, my son and I farm too, um, you know, it's it's crazy. Um, and, and so that that's going to be part of our discussion, certainly. I would think that we've probably got to get one more November report maybe under our belt um, uh, to see much just where we think this crop size is really at, and, and then we'll move on to next year. But I think demand's going to carry the water here, even if this crop's hair bigger than I think. I don't think this market is, you know, like hanging by a spider web ready to collapse at all. In fact, I'm quite friendly to the corn feeling a little more neutral on the beans for a variety of reasons. I think, you know, South America is going to try to plant a big crop, um, you know, clearly trenched, entrenched in this downtrend yet on the beans. Um, doesn't seem like we've got quite the, 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 the jazz in the export market that we do in the corn, as in the corn. So. All right. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Hey, give us a call. 800-358-3047. And that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss. And they're not suitable to all investors. Brad Coyne has been joining us today. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network. <laughs>